Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are so glad to have you back with another episode of Brave New Teaching, a podcast by two English teachers challenging the status quo. Today, we actually have a highly requested topic on both of our blogs, both of our own like individual social media channels. Um, and so we just decided to come together and talk about like, not necessarily like the itty bitty little parts of planning a unit and lessons, but really just visualizing the big picture. Because how do you get started on the teeny tiny lessons if you can't visualize the big picture? Well, actually, I, I know you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> I think especially those of you guys who are listening right now, if you know a pre-service or new teacher, you need to share this episode right now because I'm telling you, this is something that you just can't see when you're new. It's so hard to learn pacing and, and to get the big picture because being a new teacher is a classroom management disaster. It's trying to leave your parents' house. It's trying to pay some student <laughs> loans back. It's trying to help you actually have a job once you've graduated. So much less visualizing a unit, please do your friends a favor and share this episode with them because Marie and I have a lot to say, a lot of expertise, a lot of stuff in show notes that are going to help you guys get started. And I think that they're really adaptable pieces of advice for not just English, but definitely anything humanities or anything that really drives inquiry and doesn't actually require math. Well, yeah, because if you're looking for math teaching ideas, you're in the wrong place. 
And you guys, before we jump into this week's episode, because this is actually the first half of a two-part episode, we got talking so much about all the different things that we do and the tips that we have for you guys uh, with visualizing a unit. We have the first half of tips this week and then come back same bat time, same bat podcast next week and we will have the other half of our tips. If you get to the end of this episode and you're like, that's it, I'm ready to start working and I can't wait for next week's tips, I want you to head over to www.bravenewteaching.com backslash unit makeover. We have a free unit makeover challenge starting soon. We'll be doing the challenge live with you guys, and we cannot wait to get started. Summer 2020 is going to be the time when I know a lot of people are revamping their curriculum to feed in and infuse more anti-bias and anti-racist curriculum and just more inclusive content in there. And so what better time than now to do at least a makeover of one unit and kind of just get that under your belt before the summer gives way into fall. Once again, head over to www.bravenewteaching.com slash unit makeover. And without any further ado, we're jumping into this episode. listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Sorry, you've been grossly misled. Um, but we like you and want you to hang out. I mean, stay no around. For you. Stay around, but maybe like go to another screen and start searching things about math because you're not going to find mm-hmm. that here. Yeah, um, double okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is an episode that Amanda and I actually have chatted about on several occasions to make sure that our notes are concise and really like to the point because we want to make sure. I mean, something as big as visualizing a unit, like she was just saying. It's the whole being able to see the forest through the trees, especially when you're a newer teacher. But even like as a pretty veteran teacher, I have this issue sometimes when I know I'm going to be teaching new content or I just know that I need to revamp some of my content and I I will get stuck in the nitty gritty and I have to go back to, okay, how am I going to do this? What is my big picture? And so that's where the tactics and she and I have overlapping strategies, but I know Amanda is going to start us off kind of just talking about what she does in the first place or like what we're going to start with what we mean by visualizing unit and then we're going to get into our own process season. Like I said, they overlap a little bit, but we did sit down to really make sure that we are giving you the actual best of what we both actually do and take it or leave it. But if you want to take some stuff from us, please absolutely do. We know that this stuff works and hopefully it will also inspire some things in you guys, our listeners. So with that, Amanda, do you want to start off with what we mean by visualizing, quote unquote, visualizing a unit? Yeah, I do. I I really think guys, this is the one thing I would argue that when you start to visualize a unit, which basically means, are you looking at the big picture of the next nine weeks, eight weeks, six weeks, whatever it might be? Are you seeing that as a cohesive package, right? Your time spent analyzing or doing something. If you are picturing your life in this unit, before you start, you are going to enjoy your life 
so much more because you're looking at something that's that's whole rather than the little pieces that you're dreading for the next day. So for me, this all kind of starts with choosing a medium. So I physically visualize my unit using Google Slides. So I'll pull up a Google Slide. I actually change the page setting so that it's um, eight and a half by 11. I can print it out and I create, I know this probably sounds really dorky, but I actually create a vision board for myself. So the vision boards of, you know, weight loss and organizing your garage <laughs> that you find on Pinterest. Um, I actually took that idea and I thought, okay, I, this totally applies to teaching. Um, so as you guys probably heard in some of our earlier episodes, I am not new to teaching, but I'm new to my school. So after a decade in one school, I switched to another. And of course I taught sophomores and seniors for 10 years and my new school said, Hey, how about freshmen and juniors and six books that you've never taught before? Ready, set, go. And I was like, great, awesome. Now I got to practice what I preach. And so I sat down um, for the first time and I, and I thought about To Kill a Mockingbird. And I was like, what do I want to get out of this enormous novel study? Same thing with Gatsby, same thing with Catcher, same thing with Raisin in the Sun. And so I sat down, I created like a mood board, a, a, a vision board for this unit. So I included pictures, videos. I actually had music on some of them. I did a background. Um, I used text. Like I tried to label um, themes and concepts and even like the characters that I wanted to focus on. Um, I also, I titled all of my, my uh, vision boards with an essential question, which we'll tackle a little bit more later. So I really think the idea for me of visualizing a unit was physically manifesting that unit as a print item that I could manipulate print and then put in my classroom and say, okay, when I'm three weeks in, because everyone knows, everyone knows like the secret to teaching English is like the pre-reading and all like the first chapter stuff is super fun. And you're like totally like killing it. And then you get to like chapter seven or like <laughs> halfway through and you're like, God, I hate this book. Why am I teaching this? Just die so already, Gatsby. Just die. We get it. You're a fraud. You're still alive. <laughs> and like when you get to that point, I was like, okay, this is what this vision board is going to do for me. I'm going to be able to remember what I was in love with in the first place. And that's actually how that. it did work for me. Yeah. What do you do, Marie? I think yours is a little less technical, but still just as awesome. It is. And it's simply because I get shiny object syndrome. And so if I were to sit there and start pulling pictures, like that has to be a little bit down the line for me, because otherwise I will all of a sudden start planning a party and then I'll start redecorating my house <laughs> and then I'll make a snack board and then I'll be back and realize, oh, I was going to teach Pride and Prejudice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well With snacks I don't yeah well that's that's part of I mean yeah spoiler alert every single unit I teach has to have coordinating snacks not really but that would be awesome um <laughs> for another episode that's okay. once again a podcast for another time um no I start on pen and paper I have a legal pad I like to get those like easter colored like <laughs> the different pastel legal pads that you can get at like Target or Walmart or you can get like in bulk on Amazon. Um, I love them so much and I get a pen that I like the feel of. So whether it's one of like, let's see, what do I, what am I writing with right now? I love Paper Mate, Ink Joy. 
the gel pens. Mm. I like those for taking notes and I love they're these ones and I'll I swear I will I will put the link in the show notes because I'm so weird about this stuff. I'm very particular. Um I like those plastic like quill feather pens. There's something about the way they feel and they're just so neat and they're like a little bit heavier. And the first time I saw them is actually when I met you, Amanda, when we were at Keeping the Wonder last summer. And then I bought myself like two packs of them. Once again, from Amazon, they're amazing. But I'll sit down with whatever color I am feeling that day of legal pad and I'll grab my fancy feather pen and I just do a brain dump and I have to put it all down on paper. And like, I'm not kidding you, 80% of it I don't even use. 80% of it is like what I want to eat that day, but I just have to dump it all out. And sometimes that is just where I start and then I let it lie for like an hour. It's kind of like baking bread, like let it rise for like one hour to overnight. And then I come back to it and I can look at it again with a little bit fresher of eyes and go, oh yeah, no, that was because I was hungry, but that's actually teachable material. (laughs) And I can like sort and sift a little bit and I flip the page. But something about that process keeps it all in one place for me because I, I, like I said, shiny object syndrome, I'll go on a tangent and then be like, oh, I've lost my way. And I go back to that original brain dump and I'm like, oh, that's what I was going for. Right. And then I can like circle back and find my idea. I know I'm talking about this very like large idea, very (laughs) big. And like, I'm not saying anything that's very concrete, but I start with a brain dump. I let it lie for like at least an hour. And then I can come back with fresher eyes and start to sort through the things and see like what cream can rise to the top out of my ideas. And that's how I can start to visualize my essential question. And that's where I can start to visualize some smaller ideas. And like, like you said, we're going to talk about that in just a minute here. But um, if I get it all out of my head, then it's less overwhelming. And I have to get it on paper. Otherwise, I'll forget. Yeah. Well, I think that totally leads us into the next part of this is, so where do we start? So, okay, great, Amanda and Marie. A legal pad in a Google slide is not terribly helpful advice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Those are our mediums, right? So you can kind of choose your medium. Um, But where to start, I think, is the more intimidating piece of this conversation. And I think well, when we've talked before, we kind of came up with these these three equally important pieces. And so one of those pieces are your skills or standards. Like what what is it that the kids need to learn how to do this unit? And that's probably a list of things. It's probably not just one, um, but it is important to have a relatively narrow list. So like, for example, I think uh, when I think about Gatsby for one of my samples, symbolism was on that list. Well, Uh, and we mean, I'm going to interrupt you really fast because what she means by like skills and standards, it's like tangible outcomes. What not, not students are going to understand what symbols mean, but students will be able to define and pull text evidence to explain their definition of a symbol in this piece of literature, right? Like actual tangible, doable things, a bull, 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 a bull. (laughs) <laughs> and and part of that's, you know, the narrowing down, guys, there's symbolism in every single piece of major literature that we're going to teach. And even in the other stuff that we have in lit circles and whatever, it's, it's, it's everywhere, but it's the deciding of where is it going to really be focused on that we're talking about in this case. So you make your list of right, those literary uh, moments, maybe their rhetorical analysis techniques, maybe they're legit, just common core standards, whatever is best fit for this particular set of texts or texts is one part. So the skills and the standards, the second piece is going to be whatever that overarching goal, essential question or theme might be for me, 
it's ride or die essential questions. Um, for others of you, you might not be on the ride or die train yet, but I'll get you there. Um, so that's got to happen. And then so do your texts. Um, my, my biggest preachy moment I think I'll ever have on this podcast or on Instagram stories is going to be about this big picture. We cannot set ourselves up to teach a unit and the unit's name is a raisin in the sun. <laughs> the end. That is not a unit. That is the title of a play, right? And and fill in your favorite whatever here, right? Yep. Um, we have got to teach units that are bigger than the texts, bigger than the skills. And so that's what we're talking about, this like three-pronged approach. So our skills, our question, and our texts, we've got to figure out how those things are talking to each other. And that's how the rest of the unit fleshes out. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to tack onto this a little bit too, because I, um, I'm definitely the person, I mean, I think we've all done this because it's a very like traditional model of teaching. Well, I'm going to do this novel unit. I'm going to do this short story unit. So these are the short stories I'm going to teach. And through those short, short stories, we're going to learn how to, you know, do theme or like whatever. And at the end, we're going to write a paper, right? Like it's very formulaic. And what we're saying is formulaic as, as well. But we're we're talking about something that is a mindset and a focus shift away from text first to question or theme or skill based first right so like for me it's kind of interchangeable so when we're talking about where to start like Amanda was just saying start with skills and standards or like what the actual tangible outcome what kids are learning objectives like more edgy babble jargon for you then go to the overarching goal or essential question or theme um, and then get into texts. I would say those first two are interchangeable depending on like where my head's at sometimes I start with a theme and then I go okay and these are also some like like, here's a theme. I do need to get a question out of it because that, that will lead us to something. And while I'm trying to figure out what my question is going to be based on this theme, I can actually tell you guys like t- tangible ideas here. So I am in the middle right now of planning a mini unit on Pride and Prejudice, which is why it was in the forefront of my mind. So I knew that I wanted to have students have some experience with uh, a little bit meatier of language, right? So something Austin-esque. I had not decided yet on Pride and Prejudice. I started with, you know what's really important to students in senior year because it's for my seniors? Relationships. How, where they are in relationships, mm-hmm. in romantic yes. relationships, in their family. A lot of my Huge. students who are, who are in my senior class are going to be leaving their home. Like, that's a big deal. Um, their friends, their entire, like landscape of relationships is about to change drastically in a matter of months. And so I was just thinking about what are the things that are important to kids? Relationships are. Okay, well, guess what? As their teacher, I also need them to have this set of skills. Like, especially the thing that I'm noticing in my seniors is they need to be able to connect text to life and and find those connections there and therefore be able to learn some lessons. And so I was like, okay, and relationships is a real tangible way to do it. Hmm, what text could I put into place? Like, I didn't have the text in mind yet. I just had like a genre. And then I had, yeah. I knew that relationships, and I'm still working on an essential question, so I'm going to need your help, Amanda, on that one when we stop recording today. Um, <laughs> we're going to need to do a little little help Marie out. Um, and then I knew, like, I know some of the tangible skills, both from my Common Core standards, but also just from, like, seeing what they need. And then I went, you know what's a great text to teach that and to touch on different types of relationships? Pride and Prejudice. And it brings something that is so antiquated, like Jane Austen, into the real world, and it relates it to our students' lives and helps them make those connections. And so that's like really what I'm going for on a little like one and a half, two week mini unit. 
So I, I do things in a little bit different order depending on where I'm at. Um, or sometimes like if you're on working on a, te- on a team and like everybody has to teach Mockingbird, well, like you were saying, Amanda, then it's going to come in a different order. Okay, you've got this text. Well, now let's look at big ideas and skills and that sort Absolutely. of thing. And then circle back to the text. All righty, dear sweet listeners, as promised, that is the end of the first half of visualizing a unit. Please make sure to come back next week for part B, where we give you the rest of our tips and just talk through each of our processes, which as you have already heard, have a lot of crossover. We just kind of have our own style to the way that we do things. And once again, if you are ready to get to work, please, please sign up for our free challenge, our unit makeover challenge. We're going to give you four easy steps to just revamping, refreshing, giving any unit that's already in your curriculum a makeover. It's a good place to start. It's something to do when you feel overwhelmed, but you know you want to make changes. And to do that, head to www.bravenewteaching.com slash unit makeover. And while you're there, take a look at any of the other show notes that you may have missed. Please make sure if you have a moment to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps other teachers find our podcast and become a part of the Brave New Teaching community. Thank you so much for being here and we will see you next time.